0: Hey, I'm Matthew Ma, the host of the Truth About Real Estate podcast, and today we are talking with Ruben Izglav of WeLend. With over a decade in the real estate industry acquiring, flipping, developing, and financing over $500 million worth in real estate, Ruben has quickly become a renowned real estate expert, speaker, and guide for many professionals in the industry. After the financial crisis in 2008, he quickly saw the innovation desperately needed in the private lending space and decided to spearhead it by co-founding WeLend LLC, a private lending platform. Welcome to the show, Ruben. Excited to have you here.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. It's a pleasure.
0: Cool. Let's, you know, before we uh, we hopped on the podcast, just talking to you a little about real estate, but I really wanted to know when did you start real estate and like how did you get started in fixing and flipping homes?
1: Yeah. So, you know, for me, it was all about the American dream. I mean, we came to, uh, to the United States of America when I was probably around six years old in the early 90s. Um, I know I look a lot older than that, but in the early 90s, um, you know, six years old, I went straight into the Department of Education system. Um, you know, one of my cousins, actually, he, he started doing real estate at that time. Well, a little shortly after um, he was door knocking from door to door uh, for physically and financially distressed properties. And then one day asked that I, I was right around 13, 14 years old, asked that I actually uh, go with him door knocking because it's easier to get you know a door open for a 13 year old than it is for a 40 year old. Um, and I did that. You know, we did that over the summer, uh, you know, went door knocking from one door to another, uh, saw him, you know, with his pitch, saw what he was doing, you know, going to the office with him, going to meetings to attorneys with him and so on. And just kind of getting engulfed into that, into the space at, at such an early age you know, kind of left a, a nice stamp on me as far as what I want to do uh, when I get older. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> Fast wow. Forward. Starting yeah. at that
0: age, that's actually really smart of him to help and to show you what what's going on in the business industry, the real estate industry, and like jump in. And like, he's actually smart because he thought of like, it is way easier to open a door with 13 year old Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, you people that?
1: Are thinking that, Right, I mean, get get a bunch of thirteen year olds, go to go to a junior high school, and you know, see see what you can uh, recruit. But nevertheless, I mean, it was it was it was wise of him, you know, because guess what? People were thinking I was lost. People thought I needed help, and they were opening the door, and all of a sudden, he would pop up and say, "Hey, look, I know your property's in distress. I'm looking to buy all cash, what have you, you know." And seeing what he was doing, seeing the kind of money he was making, you know, uh, it, it literally left you know this this taste, great taste in my mouth, where I was like, "All right, this is something that I have to do." You know, fast forward a few years later, um, decided to drop out of high school foolishly. Uh, thought you know, I, I don't need the education, don't thought that I, you know, I'm a lot smarter than, than the other students in school. You know, went straight into uh, loan origination similar to yours, mortgage loan officer, during a wild, wild west. You know, and then the market crashed. And I was sitting there with my father one day, and he's just like, well, What are you doing now, right? I mean, you're you, you, were, you were you know, doing well for yourself, 16 17 years old, making you know, a boatload of money. Um, and now you're sitting here crying. And, you know, he, he had me give him a man's word that I was going to go back to school, which I did, went up my GED, ended up going getting my bachelor's and then ultimately going to law school um, and, uh, you know, congratulate me. Yesterday, I was just admitted to practice law in the state of New York. Um, yeah, so wow. after yeah. many years later, you know, the, the, we, we achieved that milestone, which is huge. Uh, but during during the time of undergrad and, you know, during the time of law school, I was buying, selling, flipping, developing, you know, real estate here in New York City. And very, very grateful for the opportunities because, you know, it made me the man that I am today.
0: Nice. Let's talk about that. So for – let's go back here. When you started doing door knocking and, you know, you're working with your – it was your uncle, right, said? Yeah, my cousin. My cousin. Your cousin. So, you know – What was the mindset of that? Like when you're door knocking, you know, isn't it scary? Especially as a 13-year-old, aren't you scared that you're knocking on someone's door and they're like, who's this? Like they're going to come out and hurt you or come out with a gun, come out and say something? Now that
1: I look back at it, yes. Because, they, you know, I I didn't know what neighborhoods I was in and they weren't in the best of neighborhoods. You know, I didn't understand the risks that were involved in it. Um, But now that I look back, I'm like, look, I can't believe this is what I was doing. Uh, But, you know, thankfully, everything turned out well, um, not only for me, but for my cousin as well, because I know just from my knock, and he closed, you know, multiple deals uh, from from that. So Turned out well for the both of us.
0: <laughs> and isn't it amazing? Because I want to talk about this too. Isn't it amazing that <clears throat> by knocking on these doors, you're actually creating opportunity. You're actually finding people who need help. Not everyone yeah. needs help. Not everyone wants you to be there. And some people want you to go away. But the point yeah. being is that if you knock 100 doors, you might find that one to five people who actually want, need, want and need help. And you're being in front of them, helping them solve a problem that they have.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people don't really understand that part of it. Right. You know, people think that if you're looking out for if you're looking to buy properties that are in you know physical or financial distress, you're a bottom feeder. You're you're a person who's, you know, taking advantage of people's distress or what have you. Look, I, I look at it from a different perspective. These people did not have you know options. They didn't know what was happening. They didn't know what to do. You know, they may have had a number of violations on the property. They didn't know how to resolve them. Um, they may have had a foreclosure on the property. They didn't know that they can do a short sale. Um, they had you know, a number of other issues. For example, tenants not paying and they couldn't evict. You, know, you as an investor, you as a professional uh, or a real estate agent are coming in and helping them and guiding them through that process, introducing them to the right parties, whether it's you know an architect, whether it's an attorney, uh, whether it's a mortgage bank or what have you, to provide them the solutions that they didn't know exist. So I think it's not only you know a value add for you as an investor or a real estate agent or a professional, but it's also a value add to to the to the seller, the person in distress.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think it's a lot of hard work, and it's really good for the people who can do it. And it's tough doing it, but. You really have the option to provide value i know there's some people out there who just you know try to get the really best deal for themselves as investor. i completely understand that and there's people out there who actually want to help people and you know make it fair for them because the house is really dilapidated and needs yeah. a lot of work and investors yeah. are taking risks but they're just asking and giving them options to choose from and if they yeah. like that then that's great
1: so Absolutely. i'm sure during that
0: time period you mentioned too, your cousin and yourself helped a lot of people uh yeah. you know with the properties right and yeah, how did absolutely. they feel after they, they sold the property to you guys?
1: Each and every one was grateful. You know, um, you know, we, we unfortunately didn't buy each and every property. I mean, mm-hmm. there were some times where we just helped the the person in in their in their issues, right? We connected them with an attorney to to help with the eviction. We helped them, you know, by connecting them with an architect or an expediter to help them with their violations. You know, there was a number of property managers to help them manage their properties. You know, we didn't get compensated for that. It was just a matter of goodwill of helping the other person because guess what? Whatever goes around comes around. So, you know, you try to do as much good as you can uh, so that good comes right back to you.
0: Yeah, that makes sense too. And I'm sure when, when they feel happy and helped, you know, the neighborhood, everyone, they might see other friends and family and say, hey, actually, these are great guys who are helping me. And then you know, they moved on to the next thing. And then you may have met some other neighbors too. And they're interested in, in selling as well.
1: Yeah, you you won't leave it. I mean, just a few weeks ago, I got a call from uh, a a niece of one of the sellers to a property here in Brooklyn. Um, You know, she reached out and said, look, you did really good by my mom. She was very, very happy with you. And we're looking to sell the property today. You know, it was a multifamily property here in Brooklyn. And, you know, guess what? Like I said, whenever you do good for someone, somehow, some way, it comes right back to you. And that was, we bought that property and we transacted with her aunt, I think a little under ten years ago. So, you know, you never know when you're going to get that call. So make sure you keep that number the same and don't change it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. That makes sense, and that's good. That you can tell the service level too. If they're calling you ten years later, then you know it yeah. really means, it really means something. Then at that point, you know, exactly. So you, know you guys are doing something exactly. right, and that's good. Tell us about this too. Like when you guys started doing, you know, fix and flips. Like, what's your first time you guys did it, and like how did that go?
1: Yeah, so you know when we started, we started with very little, you know, as far as dry powder or, or finances or capital. I mean, we we had to kind of start from the bottom, right? It was the ultimate American dream. Um, I, I, I I'm always proud to say this. I mean, we started with six thousand in our bank account and six months behind on our rent. Uh, not many people know this. I guess after this podcast, many will. Yeah. But, you know, we were able to build. You know the wealth and the capital and the war chest to be able to start buying and flipping and developing ourselves. But the way in which we did that was by wholesaling properties. Right? We used to find properties, you know, and and be able to lock them in at a contract or be able to help the seller in some fa- fashion and form, and and be able to wholesale it to another investor who would actually go ahead and buy the property, fix it up, and and flip it. Um, and that enabled us to build the capital that we needed to be able to grow our small empire that we hold today. Um, and forever grateful for
0: that.s't it that amazing too like how okay you take a look at this to like okay wholesalers and you know people who are trying to get into the industry they start they started to find deals like they door knocked they found deals they couldn't buy it themselves so they wholesale it to someone else but they those people actually actively look for other investors who are interested in fixing flipping too and then they yeah. wholesale a deal to them both yeah. sides make some money, both people sell, seller gets paid. You get paid as a finder, for example, they get paid as a wholesaler, oh, wow. and then the next person who buys it as a fix and flip. So, multiple people are getting paid. You're actually creating some job opportunities there, too.
1: Um, and you, exactly, and you as a wholesaler, we're, we're, we're the foundation to all of that, right? It's you, you help not only the seller, you help the, the local community. Ah, uh, you help the buyer, the investor, you help the ultimate uh, end user uh, and their families, and you know and and potentially even helping the end user build generational wealth through it. So there's there's a lot of benefits that you, as a wholesaler and investor are are generating through through your uh, investments and your hard work
0: so in in wholesaling too like in wholesaling there takes a lot of work like a lot of grinding too because you're having to you know dial like really, literally knock dial for dollars and like circle prospecting neighborhoods and like really find those needles in the haystack those properties who want to sell isn't yeah. that don't you think that's really a lot of work and really tough to do it's all a numbers game you know i always tell that to each and
1: every one of my investors you know sometimes we we speak to our borrowers and they're like look you know i just can't find enough deals i mean how what what do you recommend what do you suggest I do? What am I doing wrong? And I tell them, look, it's all numbers game. When we were in, you know, in the fix and flip space ourselves, buying, selling, flipping, developing, I mean, I used to make well over a dozen offers on a daily basis on properties. Um, you know, and not not all of them, I wish each and every one of them panned out, but I would say a good 85-95% of them did not work out. Uh, but all you really need is that 5 to 15% on an annual basis to work out. And that's exactly what, what the numbers are. It's, it's all the numbers game. you got to, you got to do as much uh, uh, work as you can at the beginning. you got to make as many offers as you can. you got to be able to see as many properties as you can to be able to go out there and potentially get that 5 or 15% come back to you within you know, some period of time so that you can actually buy, flip, and you know, develop that property.
0: Yeah, that's pretty interesting because when I look at that, I look at real estate sales, real estate agents, like, you know, you teach them everything in real estate sales business. is all about like process systems, hitting your numbers and being diligent and doing the work and being a numbers game. If you can do that quantity and get the right activity and learn how to convert better and learn how to market better and then build the influence on around it, then you can succeed. But that's really hard. Because it's so much to do. And like you're looking at hey, I need to learn about financing, marketing, business, strategy, you know, and everything else on top of it, right? And doing the calls. And, look, and not it is that. it it sounds like it's a
1: lot. It looks like it's a lot. And truth be told, it is a lot. But if you treat it as a full-time business, um, then then you'll do well. And you know, look, the first two or three years of of being in the business. I, I can i can attest to the fact that it wasn't easy you know i i had you know i had really bad times i had you know a donut on my car and i couldn't fix it you know it, it was bad but you know if you're able to to manage that and and be able to withstand the hard times then you will reap the benefits in the future and you know it's the hard work uh, you know, look i'll be honest with you i was working from 7 to 9 p.m 7 a.m in the morning from to 9 p.m right and and that hard work practically seven days a week that hard work is what helped me develop what we have today and i i would recommend that to each and every investor real estate agent or any professional, whether in real estate or not, it's all a matter of hard work. I mean, look at Elon Musk, right? What is he doing? I mean, the, I, I was listening to an interview yesterday. He's, I heard him say something to the effect of, you know, he has a sleeping bag and sometimes he sleeps in these factories, right? I mean, in yes. a sleeping bag, Elon Musk, <laughs> the richest man in the world, right? <laughs> like, like, it's all a matter of hard work. And that's that's you'll be able to reap the benefits at a later point. You may not see the strides that you're making and and and, and the moves and the developments that that you're actually making um, in in the short term, but long term they're definitely going to come out, and, and you will be proud and happy of the fact that you did what you did at that time.
0: It's like um, what's it called? Like like Mark Cuban said, like you rather work eighty hours a week for yourself rather than working forty hours a week for someone else. That's part of it. Too. Absolutely. And- when you look at like NBA, like Warriors and everything, you look at those guys, they practice like crazy. They do everything they can. They're there for hours a day practicing before even the game starts. But in sales and other businesses, I don't want to practice. I just want instant gratification. Why well, do I don't need to do anything? You know, you know, what's, you know what numbers are you talking about? You know?
1: That's the Instagram problem, right? That's the social media problem because everyone is seeing the basketball players at the clubs. Everyone is seeing the basketball players, you know, at the fancy restaurants, but no one is seeing the basketball players when they're practicing or same goes for the attorneys, right? I mean, I was in law school myself. I've seen attorneys, their hard work, their dedication, their sleepless nights, you know, and, and many attorneys today that I know that I went to law school today, that I went to law school with, I mean, they're putting a hundred hour weeks, right? Uh, but I guarantee you in, you know, five or 10 years, uh, they're gonna be reaping the benefits of that. And it's the same goes for for the basketball players, you know, the real estate agents, the attorneys, you know, the doctors, whoever, whatever, whatever business you're in, whether you're cleaning toilets or, you know, you're, you're this, this, this big honcho, it's all a matter of hard work and dedication.
0: Yeah. And that's tough because like, I know a lot of people want to do a quick sprint and get there, but like, this is a long marathon, you know, it took you like 10 years, Good to get to <laughs> 10, 15 years to be successful and be overnight success over 15 years. Right. That's
1: how it works. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. But you know, like you hear today, a lot of um, a lot of agents are joining the real estate business right now. It's like number one time to be a real estate agent, to do sales and real estate because, hey, it's a lot of money. It's glamorous. I can just show houses and get paid a lot of money and, or fix and flip and get paid. But it's not that simple. Yeah. It's a lot of work behind it. No, it's it. not. It really becomes successful.
1: You know, yeah. I, I, I heard a quote, something to the effect of the right time was always five years ago. Whatever mm-hmm. time that five years ago was, it was always five years ago. So, you know, five years from now, the right time was today. So, don't waste time. Go out there and do it, and then just get, you know, just launch the companies, launch,
0: launch whatever it is that you want to do. Don't waste time. Exactly, execution is all about execution. So, let's exactly. talk about this. When when you started doing your first deal, like you mentioned, six thousand dollars and behind and rent, how yeah. did you get to do your first fix and flip? Like what took what steps did you take to get there?
1: Oh man. Um so the first thing that we did was we used to connect, you know, sellers to investors and be able to create that wholesale fee, right? Be able to mm-hmm. collect and 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 make money that way. Um the investors were paying us, you know, for for that connection. The investors were be able to like, you know, again, give us give us some piece of the pie. Um, it took us—I I, want to say about three, three years, give or take—for us to be able to start buying real estate ourselves. You know, at some point, uh, we did end up buying a property in Bushwick. It was one of our one of our first flips. Uh, it was a three-unit property. Uh, we bought the property for right around three hundred thousand uh, dollars. We put, give or take, about five hundred thousand into the renovation. Uh, so all in, it was right at under, I would say, about a million dollars uh, after carrying costs, holding costs and what have you. And then we ended up selling that property for one point four million. Um, you know, look, that was a home run. It was an amazing deal uh, it, it, that those type of deals they don't come around often. But if you're out there and you're grinding and you're putting in the time, you'll be able to see them. You know, and there were some deals where, again, we made well over four hundred thousand dollars or there were some deals where we only made forty thousand dollars. Uh, Not every deal is a home run. It's just a matter of you putting in the time and being able to go out there and look out for them, you
0: know, on a full-time basis. And I think the hard part about that too is like for, you know, for me, when I look at it, it's like, it's a lot of work upfront to do it, but if you find the right deal, you can make a lot of money on it. And the part of it too is like executing like, yes, not every deal is gonna be a home run, but if you can get base hits and you can keep doing that multiple times over and build the momentum, yeah. build, a, build a team, yeah. build a strategy, you get you gain the experience. So you're actually paying for experience. You hope you never lose, but you're gonna keep growing. And over time it'll get, the chunk can get bigger and bigger as you see the opportunity exactly. come along, right? But if exactly. you never start, you're never gonna get there anyways
1: but you also have to know you know you have to have a network right I mean I wouldn't be able to buy that property in in Bushwick Brooklyn um had it not been for my hard money lender at the time old school you know older guy uh in his 70s you know he was driving in his Mercedes from house to house you know taking a look at the property or giving you an offer as far as what they would finance at the outset don't get me wrong he was expensive you know we were paying at that time I want to say anywhere between fourteen to fifteen percent rate, and then anywhere yeah. between two to four points. You know, and and today my borrowers, when I'm telling them I'm locking them in at a rate of seven point nine nine or eight and a half percent, they're complaining, right? And I'm like, look, you don't understand what kind what kind of rate you have, what terms you have, because when I was in your space and I was flipping, I was paying fifteen percent, and I did not complain. I was grateful for it because who cares what you're paying if you're going to make you know fifty thousand or a hundred thousand. Um, after that expense. So nevertheless, it's all a matter of your network as well. You know, again, I wouldn't be able to make my first flip again if I did not, you know, wholesale, but also if I did not have that hard money lender at the time who not only gave me the financing that I needed, but also gave me the advice that I needed to be able to flip the property. He, he made the connections for me. He told me what, what pitfalls to look out for, what to do, what not to do, what type of kitchen to build, you know, what type of floors to put in, because again, he's been around the block. And that's kind of what we carry with us as private lenders today you know i'm forever thankful to him because he able he was able to to help me uh build my net my my net worth because he was able to finance our deals but he also helped me by giving me the guidance that i need and we carry we here at we we carry that with us today because not only do we want to provide financing to our investors but we also want to be able to guide them through the process
0: And I think a part of that too is this, when you're starting to do fix and flips and you're really building your real estate business, you have to make many relationships and like talk to all the different lenders, all the hard money lenders, private money, all the residential lenders who are out there and see what fits for you. But understand that each person has different products, different guidelines, different terms and learn which one's best for you and which one you qualify for and which one you want to work with. And a lot of good things about uh, hard money loans and private lending is that you guys also provide you know, experience. Cause like, if the deal is bad, you think it's bad. You're giving them your opinion on what, why you might want to step away from this deal and versus another deal. Like, Hey, that's a home run go get it. And we'll help find Oh, absolutely.
1: It. Absolutely. And that's, that's the number one common mistake that I see from inexperienced investors, right? They think that every deal is a home run. Uh, but you know, once you put pen to paper and you, you, you throw it into a spreadsheet um, or you use accounting mean, or whatever, however you do your your, your business today, um, although I still can't understand how some of people do it, do it just based on a calculator. I have spreadsheets for almost everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, once you throw it into a spreadsheet, you know, you realize that the deal is at a loss or, you know, you're, you're stand to make $10,000. But, you know, when you see only a $10,000 profit on a flip, you know, if anything is to go, you know, to the left or to the right, I mean, you're, you're, if the wind shifts you into any direction, I mean, you're now at a, at a, at a loss. Uh, so, you know, you want to be careful. And I, as an investor, Even if I didn't need the financing from from a private lender and I had the liquidity to buy the property in full cash, I still reached out to my private lender just to get his point of view on it, just to be able to make sure that his attorney reviews the documents and, and the title and so on, just to make sure that at the end of the day, I don't have any pitfalls that I missed.
0: Yeah, it's always good to have another pair of eyes, especially if someone's willing to invest with you as a lender and look at these deals and say, hey, yeah, this makes sense, you know, where there's some some things to think about before you go and do it. And it's up to you. But I think sometimes some private lenders can be on your team and they want to help you because the thing is this, investors always want to flip who keep doing more investments, then you're building a relationship together to do more deals together. And it helps make it win, right? You, know, you can screw exactly. me once, but that's it. I'm done after that one, you know, then you can't move forward. But <laughs> long term relationships never make you, you know grow, right? You grow yeah. in a lot of long term relationships. And then two is that when you're doing this, you know, leveraging other people's money. So doing a loan and the way I look at fix and flips is this if your hard money loan calculation makes sense and it, it justifies inside your budget of what you're doing and the profitability of it, then the rate doesn't really matter because it's what is X amount of time, anyways.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, look, most of our loans today, they get repaid within an 11 month period. Um, so, you know, you're in and out of a deal. Uh, and most some some of our borrowers, especially here in New York, the experienced borrowers, they're in and out of a deal within six months, two months to renovate, you know, two months to be able to find a buyer, two months for that buyer to get financing six months in you're you're in and out. So, you know, eight percent rate really translates to what 4% that you've paid for the deal. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's all a matter of trying to be in and out of the project as fast as you can. Uh, Today, most of our loans are for a period of 12 months. They're bridge financing, but most loans are repaid within 11 months.
0: That's pretty nice too because yeah you're using other people's money, you're carrying it for X time period and if the deal makes sense and your profitability is high and you have good margins on it then it can work and if right. it's not then you might reconsider that flip anyways because if you're not making 50 100 200k or more why bother
1: Exactly look i mean the power of leverage is is exponential i mean and i i i and i don't say that as a as a as a private lender today but i recommend that on every deal you look at it from a perspective of Put some leverage on it, sprinkle some leverage to make sure that, you know, your ROI on that deal is 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 fancy enough for you not only to be able to you know, make a nice profit, but also attract other investors uh, in equity investors into your deal. So, you know, I always suggest sprinkling some leverage on it. Don't over leverage. You know, you want to be conservative. You want to if you have the liquidity, don't over leverage, uh, but always sprinkle some leverage on it because guess what? It, it juices up your returns.
0: Yeah. And the thing too, like if you're going to use a hundred percent of your own money on a deal, how many deals can you do? Not that one, many. Two, maybe three, one two maybe, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but if you enact the activity of, okay, if I started using private money, I did one flip and it's successful and I started doing two, three, four, five, I can go to 10. Now this private money lender understands I'm in the business. I know how to do it. And then they're willing to leverage more and more money together. And we could do 10 at a time rather than one at a time. Exactly. Exactly. And that thing. was our
1: strategy. You know, that was our strategy. Look, I mean, if you're looking at deals and all you find are deals that are earning you 50000 right, mm-hmm. on each deal, you know, 50000 is a great deal of money for many. Uh, for some, it's not really attractive enough. But if you're doing 10 of those on an annual basis, that's 500000 right? Now mm-hmm. it's attractive enough. But the only way for you to do 10 of those, if you have enough liquidity, is either buying it in cash if you have enough liquidity or through the help of a private lender by leveraging the liquidity that you have to be able to afford the 10 deals on an annual basis.
0: Exactly. so that's a part of it too. And then with that too, like, okay, they're starting to, you know, people are starting to, okay, this makes sense. I can fix and flip. I got to run the numbers. It's good for me to double check my numbers anyways, with the lender and look at the property and the value am I really on target and you're learning those targets and now you know your net profitability You probably go through your first probably once at one at a time in the beginning, but after, after you get the hang of it and you have the right crew because not all construction crews are the same quality, price, terms, timelines are by far different. But, oh I mean, man. After- I've,
1: <laughs> I've heard so many horror stories with contractors. I mean, thank God I, I, we've always been lucky with ours because my brother was the, 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 really the person that handled that portion of it. He always has his own crew that handles the construction. But I've, I've heard horror stories about contractors. I mean, I've, I've seen scenarios where contractors got a deposit of 15,000, 20,000, just boom, disappeared. Yeah. So definitely be careful with that part too.
0: How, let's get some tips on that. How do you identify the right contractor and the wrong contractor? And how do you make it? How do you kind of have create some safe zones so that this doesn't happen?
1: Look, I mean, I I gotta tell you one thing: referrals, right? You want to know someone has done the work for someone else in the past and they've done a good job. Um, in addition to that, you don't want a contractor who doesn't really have any pending projects, right? So when you're interviewing them, you want to ask them, hey, do you have any pending projects? Go out there and take a look at their work. But when you go out there to take a look at their work, make sure that it's their work, right? So ask the people that are working there, like, hey, who is a GC here? Who's the man in charge? If they don't say that it's, you know, John Smith, is a, by way of example, and that's the contractor that you're speaking to, then he just sent you to someone else's job, right? So always be careful. You want to you want to vet them out by making sure that they're referred over to you. You want to vet them out by making sure that you know that they have pending projects you want to see the type of quality work that they've done but also if you can't find any of those two or three what i recommend is going to home depot at six or seven o'clock in the morning when you find those guys standing there at six or seven o'clock in the morning not everyone can do that right wake up at six seven o'clock in the morning and stand in front of home depot to be able to get a job you would be shocked as to what type of quality you can find there uh, from time to time. So the person that's there at six or seven o'clock in the morning is usually a guy that's a hardworking individual that's just looking to put bread on the fa- you know, on the table for the family. And they're usually very good at what they do. So that's another recommendation uh, that I would make is is going out to Home Depot or, or Lowe's as, as an example and, and, and early in the morning, um, not in the middle of the day, to find yourself that that one guy that's there looking for work.
0: Yeah. And I think, yeah, finding referrals is really one of the best points and taking a look at their work is really good. For me, like since I've been doing this for so long, I actually look at the quality of the work. Like I go in and look at projects they're doing I look at the quality. Like look at how they install the kitchen cabinets. Look at how they install the towels. Are the screws all in the right place? Is it set up nicely? Is it actually measured out? You can tell they're 16 inches apart from stud to stud. You can tell the towels actually straight. They're using lasers. They're not using eye level and it's flat or however you designed it. How's the cabinetry? Do the doors hit each other when they open the the doors that's one way right for the kitchens bathrooms you can tell the same thing look at the towels look at the grout line look at everything how's it cut it's right? all
1: about quality right because yeah. look at the end of the day when you're selling your property the the buyer the end user is going to look at the quality because that's what they're buying right you're, you you just added you know potentially a significant amount of value on a property and when they're paying for that you know they want to make sure that it's quality so yeah matthew i mean you hit it right in the head you want to make sure that not only that they're doing the work but they're actually doing good work
0: yeah and each contractor is different too the way they do it like when I interview contractors I see the differences if I ask you because if I ask you how to do something and you can't explain exactly step by step how to do it then I understand like there's certain things you gotta be out for right off the bat and the reason I say that is actually done a lot of the work myself like from ground up I did a lot of the work you know so I understand how they're doing it but that's through experience over time and the next thing too is like ask them for a quote for your project like you should be as a flipper understanding your project, the scope of the project, listing out everything you need to do, having them yeah. actually calculate and give you pricing on it. And if they can't give you pricing or they give you bogus pricing, you know, then you can kind of see how they're going to work with you. Like, okay, this is sure. be a dollar just to overcompensate for what I think you're going to do and change on me, right? You want a lined
1: item, itemized line by line as to what they're doing, what the cost is for it, you know, because if they can't provide that for you, mm-hmm. then they're most likely fly by night type of guys, right? So you want to be careful with that. You want to make sure they're able to provide, you know, the, the the cost and how they're applying that cost, not just like, oh, well, this will cost you 50000 right, Well, How are you actually using that $50,000? is it going? You know, give me an itemized list of how that's being applied.
0: I don't have time for that you, you want it or <laughs> not right and, and I get it. contractors are busy, but like when I see a line item that says one line total price and there's no breakdown and your contracts looks really bad, I'm just gonna walk away because that's exactly not for me right
1: exactly and and avoid the contractors that that want you know the fifty percent deposit right from the start right yeah. you there's no reason for it yeah there there's a reason to give them some kind of deposit just for them to start you know getting the labor in there but there's no reason why for you know they, they need a 50% deposit no
0: way yeah there isn't and you'll see over time and then the good thing is too like okay on your first deal don't go to do don't do multiple deals at the beginning do one deal find the right contractor interview them spend the time yes you're taking more time than normal but you should start interviewing them before you even buy your first house you know and see who's willing to give you time if they're not willing to give you time you already know it's going to be harder to work with anyways
1: you gotta crawl before you walk. You gotta walk before you run. Huge yeah. believer in that here. You know, you don't want to take on more projects than you can actually handle. I've seen that happen a lot, right? Where everything just goes bust. So you know, start slow, start small, uh, build up your crew, build up your team, uh, build up your network, and then you know, once you've, you've you feel like you've have you know a hand on it, that's when you go out there and you actually start handling five or ten projects on a monthly basis. Uh, but when we started, we started slow.
0: That's hard, though, because, you know, everyone wants instant gratification. I just want to be a fix and flipper right now. I want, I'm going to get paid today. I don't want to wait. But if you don't wait, you're taking the risks right now on the first property Absolutely. with your investor right now. And you're going to run into all the issues that we talk about because you didn't prepare ahead of time.
1: Very likely to go bust if you try, you know, too many projects at one time. Very likely. Because, look, you, you don't even realize how many pitfalls there are, right? I mean, you've you got to be careful. you just got to be careful.
0: Yeah, and you you have to over um, you also have to overestimate too. Like whatever project you think you're going to spend, add another fifteen to twenty five percent on top of that because something's going to happen in between it that you don't know about. It's inevitable.
1: Know. It's inevitable. Yeah. And not only that, I mean, sometimes it's you're the one that's making it happen, right? Because yeah. you know you you wanted to put a ten thousand dollar kitchen, all of a sudden now it's a fifteen thousand dollar kitchen. You wanted yep. to put a bathroom for five thousand, now all of a sudden it's you know six or seven thousand. And those small little add-ons, and they happen all the time, right? I mean, they yeah. happen all the time. Those small little add-ons, they catch up. So, yeah, you, you think you're going to spend X amount, you end up spending a lot more than that. You know, once the once once you're at the finish line.
0: Exactly. You mentioned bathroom for five thousand, and for me, like, damn, I wish because in the Bay Area now, the minimum starting price is fifteen thousand to twenty five thousand. You know, depending on what you're doing you and know,
1: like things <laughs> things have jumped up exponentially you know we're we 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 just bought a few projects in in new jersey and you know we're experienced investors we made that same mistake that i'm telling people to avoid right because we didn't realize how much everything you know the supplies have increased i mean it's yeah you can't find a five thousand dollar kitchen anymore Uh, it depends on what you're building and where you're building and who you're building for you know if you're building to flip yeah you can't manage a five thousand dollar kitchen a uh, bathroom, rather, uh, but if you're if you're looking to you know hold and rent, but possibly right, it depends on what kind of finishes you're putting into it. So, but yeah, nowadays with with today's market and 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 the cost of supply and the shortages around, I mean, it, it definitely has gone
0: up. So that's the that's the hard part too right now with COVID, everything that happened the last two years and the timing, you know, contractors are all busy. A lot of workers don't want to work and do construction anymore. Materials are super expensive, hard to get. Really rare. I actually see contractors buy- and work owners, fix flippers, are actually buying stuff off Facebook marketplace. They're buying all the materials, whatever they can get their hands on to do the dump mm. jobs. You know, I'm like, wow, okay, that makes I guess because there's actually some good quantity out there and it makes I sense. I built my gym at
1: home from Facebook Marketplace, but I didn't think about building a house from yeah. Facebook marketplace.
0: <laughs> yeah, like hey, you can buy drywall. Hey, buy two by fours, hey, buy plywood. Like, oh, okay. And buy appliances I and you know like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I see. It. I see that can work too. Oh. If whatever you need to get done because you don't want to wait, yeah. but know the yeah. fact that everything you're doing takes way longer than you think it does right now, and it's tougher. Like permitting time took forever too, right? Yeah. So
1: yeah. I mean, permitting point. time here in New York is just infamous to take long, right? You know, DOB inspections. I mean, good luck, right? Uh, evictions, good luck. I mean, timing on everything is just everything has just been dragged out, uh, especially so what in do you New think York. About that?
0: So how does that work too? Like if I'm going to buy a fix and flip right now and I need lending on it, how does that going to work for me and my numbers? Because if I'm having to deal with permitting, waiting time and material yeah. time, it's just eating everything away. It is.
1: It is. And that's why I tell every single one of my investors, yeah, you might think that you're in and out of a project within six months. But when you're, when you're actually analyzing the deal and you have the spreadsheet open, analyze it from a perspective of 12 months. You know, is the deal still profitable within 12 months? And if it is, great. If it isn't, you know, reconsider maybe go out go go back out there and speak to the seller speak to the real estate agent show them the spreadsheet and I'm happy to share it with you show them the spreadsheet show them what you're looking at where your profits are, you know, are you in the red? Are you in the black? I mean, you really want to have those conversations because realtors themselves, sometimes they, you know, they might say, oh, this deal is a home run, especially if they see that you're a new investor, they'll tell you the deal is a home run. But once you show them a spreadsheet that you've broken it down and that, you know, you're not as inexperienced as they expected or thought you were, um, you know, the, 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 the sale price or the asking price, you'll see it declining very quickly. It's easier to negotiate with them.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think too, as, as a fix and flipper, you want to talk to real estate agents who are experienced in it, who have done their own investments, their own fix and flips, or I really understand what you're doing it. If the numbers make sense, great. If numbers don't make sense, move on. But at least have a good understanding of who you're working with so that they can, they can help you. Like I'm a real estate investor and an agent myself, but I help investor clients because I show them, here's the analytics behind it. Here's how you do it. Yep. Here's my experience. Here's even my crews. Like I run multiple crews, right. and they do the jobs right. for my clients. I'm like, this is how it works. But, of course, you have to understand the risk and time. And if you can afford it, there's some good money to be made, you know?
1: Absolutely. Look, I mean, as a real estate agent, it's in your benefit for the deal to work out for, you know, your your, your buyer, your client, because as he as as successful as he is, uh, because of that, he's gonna start more buying more deals from you in the future. So, yeah, it's yeah. in your interest to be able to introduce them to the crew. And Same thing here, right? It's in our interest to make sure that our borrowers succeed, not only for purposes of you know future business, but making sure that our loan is repaid, making sure that you know we don't lose a dime on of, of any of the money that we've that we've lent out. I mean, thankfully, and 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 with God's blessing, I mean, we we've to this day have a zero dollar principal loss, right? We have yet to lose a penny, um, nice. thankfully, and you know at the end of the day that we we strive to make sure that that never happens
0: yeah i think you know a part of that too is like you really want to find your core four right like your real estate agent investor agent your lenders your private money uh, residential lenders for future deals and your contract- contractor your manager whatever you need right? to build it build up your yeah. flow right
1: yeah absolutely you know?
0: Yeah, and everyone's looking together. So let's talk about lending too. So how does the private money lending work and what things do flippers need to go through to get the, to get the money?
1: I mean, we need a lot less than say a traditional or portfolio, you know, lender, right? We we are private lenders. It's also known as alternative lending, also known as asset-based lending and so on. I mean, essentially what that means is that when we are lending you the borrower the funds we're not looking at you as the borrower as much as we are looking at the asset that we're lending hence asset-based lenders right we're looking more on the asset to make sure that the asset or the deal that you're buying there's meat on the bone it's profitable we're looking at the location we're looking at you know the condition uh, we're looking at whether it's vacant or not. We're looking at what the scope of work looks like. I mean, there's a number of, of things that we're analyzing when we're looking at the asset. But aside from that, we're also looking at you from a perspective of your experience and your FICO score. Right. If if the borrower doesn't have any income because he's a full time investor, that's OK with us, because that actually is better for us because we know that he is experienced. He knows what he's doing today. Luckily, 89 percent of our borrowers are experienced investors. We love that because the chances are of that of, of that loan defaulting is slim. Uh, but essentially what we're looking at is the asset. You know, I would say a good 80 percent of our underwriting is looking at the asset versus uh, the the investor and then the other twenty percent is the investor experience and FICO six twenty FICO for us is excellent credit although today the average FICO score for us is about six hundred ninety three you know we do not require tax returns we don't require bank statements uh, we don't you know we don't really care about the property condition for example some properties that we've lent on they're missing a roof they're missing a wall I mean they've been burnt down to the ground um, and that's okay with us whereas And a conservative, rather, a a conventional lender, they would never lend on that, right? Because the asset itself is not mortgageable. For us, that's kind of where our business is and our focus is today
0: so the difference too for those out there the difference is on a residential loan residential loan you need to get appraisal you need to have a house that's habitable you need to uh, qualify for loan and whatever percent down payment to qualify and they're basically yeah. selling that loan to Fannie, Freddie, Max so that's why you have to do all those things and you need tax returns and income and good credit yeah, so the difference yeah. between that and private money is that private money you don't deal with all that you're dealing with asset base which is similar really similar to commercial property you deal with the property mm-hmm. first and you run all the numbers on the property analyze the property and then it comes to you, are you capable as a investor to do the work that you need to call and qualify on that route, regardless of your credit score so much and your income and what you're putting into it? That's the difference between residential, regular loans, conventional loans.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, look, we, you know, like I said, most of our borrowers don't have a full time job. They're not W two employees. You know, all they do is real estate investing, or they might be real estate invest, uh, 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 real estate agents. They don't have consistent tax returns. So as a result, they may not qualify for a conventional loan. Whereas with us, they 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 are a perfect fit.
0: And how is that process, some people ask too, oh, can't I just get a regular loan and get a a construction loan on that regular loan versus going to private money? Won't, Won't that be cheaper?
1: For a conventional loan? Absolutely. Absolutely. Conventional loans are cheaper, although today's market, they're not, right? I mean, if you look at today's market, I think, you know, speaking to a friend of mine who is a conventional lender, I mean, he's he's lending at right around 55 to 6.5%. Uh, that's yeah. where he's locking in his rates. You know, today, our rates on our bridge loan, which are the 12-month loans, are right around 799 Um, Although I expect that to be increasing very soon. Uh, but I at this point it is at 7.99 so it's not too far apart from your conventional lender but look it's not even a matter of of cost a lot of times it's it's a matter of qualifying right our borrowers many of them are not mortgageable for all the reasons i've I've, I've mentioned or the property itself is not mortgageable or the borrower just doesn't have the time to waste with a conventional lender right you yeah, know a lot well of the, times deal. the, the exactly i mean you know the seller wants to be in and out they they they're telling you hey look if you're if you're cash closed and you can close within seven business days the deal is yours and you know we'll discount it by 20 30 thousand because of that so so many of our investors are coming to us because of our speed to close but also you know many of our deals today are coming from the foreclosure auctions. you can't get a, a conventional loan on a property that you just want to bid on a, on on a foreclosure auction because you can't even get into the property for an appraisal which is one of the qualifications with a conventional lender now we do want to do an appraisal on every single property but we don't have to go into the property we can actually do a drive-by appraisal as
0: well and I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to is qualifying for the property, qualifying yourself, and doing it with a timeline that makes sense. And as long as the rates and the numbers make sense on the property you're doing as an investor, it really doesn't matter. But the goal is really saving time, finding the deal, getting it to work with the seller, negotiating the best price you can get for it with the lending included in mind. And if the numbers work for you, you know, take a take a stab at it. And it's good to have experience. It's good to have mentorship and people who have done it already. So you don't miss out on the pitfalls of going through it. But after you build the momentum, get going. Remember, how long are you carrying it? Let's say twelve months. Okay, yeah. what's the cost of twelve months to carry it, and how much profit are you really making? Right. If it makes sense, right. and the risk is with you, you can go for it, right? Absolutely. But I think people Absolutely. get stuck on it. Like, oh, people get stuck on the idea. Oh, private money is expensive, and I don't want to bother. I don't really want to research it. But then it, they end up not doing any deal because they're just over analyzing. And they, even if they try, oh, the the uh, Conventional didn't qualify anyways.
1: Right, right, exactly. And or they just don't have the time, right? You know, the conventional mm-hmm. lenders telling them, look, you, you need at least 60 days for me able to for me to be able to coordinate a loan for you. And they don't have that time. Um yeah. so yeah, you hit it right and in the it's head. And it's not a matter of yeah, it's not a matter of the cost, it's a matter of qualification, it's a matter of execution, you know, with a private lender. Uh, the, the certainty of closing is a lot higher than with a conventional lender. Now, not to knock down a conventional lender because we get a lot of business today from mortgage brokers and so and what have you. But, you know, we're on two sides of, of different spectrums here. And, you know, a conventional lender definitely complements a, a private lender and vice versa. But we just we just focus on different type of clientele and borrowers and different type of assets and the conditions of those assets.
0: Yeah, I think the, to go with that too, is like, yeah, really, for example, let's say that you're a fix and flipper and then you decide you want to keep the property. You can always do this too. Borrow hard money loan, use the use the money, fix the house up, make it qualifiable and you want to move into it, you move into it and then you refinance with a regular conventional loan at a better rate. But you know, in the beginning, Same. you paid X amount and at the next part, when you refinanced it, you paid X amount. So you take a, um, what does it call you, just blend the rates and you understand, here's what you got overall and it was yeah, a better deal. Yeah. look i mean you,
1: you made actually a very good point you know the other the other difference about a private loan is the fact that this is a business purpose loan which means that we only lend to investors on their investments if you have you know the intent or the idea of moving into the property, and we find out about that, we're not gonna mm-hmm. lend it alone, right? You know, so essentially it has to go, we're lending to an entity, you know, and behind it is the principal who has to have the you know some somewhat of experience or the credit or what have you, but we're essentially lending to an entity, which is a business in this situation. And the business itself is the fixing and flipping. And many mm-hmm. of our borrowers today, like you said, look, they're buying properties, they're repositioning them, they're they're fixing them up, they're they're fixing the tenants, you know, the squatters, what have you, they're renting it out to a, you know, a good tenant. They're producing income. Again, they reposition that asset and then they're ultimately refinancing into a 30 year loan. You know, mm-hmm. that's not as common as it used to be say three or four months ago due to all the rate hikes. But essentially, I mean, a lot of our barbers, they're doing exactly that, right? They're using us for the bridge, for the acquisition, for the construction. And then they're also, you know, going into a 30 year DSCR loan, Where they're able to qualify for a thirty year loan with fixed terms.
0: Yeah, and that works too. And it's, it's all, like, like you mentioned, it's all about business and numbers and what makes sense for them. And there are people who, who are using that money for Airbnbs, for, you know, other investment types, rental, long-term rentals. And, you know, if you can get that and get good returns, net income from the rentals, then that can work as well. But it just, exactly. of how do you utilize different kinds of money, different sources of money? How do you make it work? And what's the best for you at that time for that property? and understanding yeah, yeah. all of this together. And it's a lot of work, but the more you can learn about it from people who are experienced in doing it, the faster you can get to where you want to be. Look, it's all a matter of making sure that you have the right mentors and you're listening
1: to the right podcasts. Look, I'll be honest with you. I was listening to your podcast last night and I, I wish podcasts existed like yours when I started fixing and flipping. Cause I feel like, you know, with pod, podcasts as valuable as yours, I would have been 10 years ahead. So you know, it's all a matter of making sure that you're reading the right books, you're listening to the right podcasts, and you have the right mentors by your side.
0: Yeah, great. And I re- really appreciate that, too, because the real value is like really just trying to educate everyone on the different options. You can learn from all these different podcasts, the people out yeah. there out there, speaking like you, Ruben, right? It's like you're gu- giving them guidance on how to choose a better hard money loan, private loan, how to find the right deal, how to make it work, and understanding the differences. Not all private money is the same type. Even for you, too, like I'm sure your company stands out from others and like the value you guys provide, the expertise you guys provide, the rates you provide are different from everyone else's. Everyone has different options, but if the um, consumer investor is not aware of it, then, you know, that's kind of like how we're trying to help them become more aware, ask more questions, find the right people. um, What would you tell investors right now, if you're looking for private money, how, what, what five questions should they ask a private lender?
1: Well, first thing is, there's some private lenders out there who are asking for a upfront deposit from the borrower. You want to avoid that, right? You want to find out that they don't have any upfront deposits, any upfront fees, because at the end of the day, once you pay an upfront fee, they, they lock you in, right? Or it's possible that they'll just disappear on you. I mean, it's it, I've seen I've seen that happen. Um, you also want to find out what their FICO score requirements, right? Is you know, do you qualify from that perspective? Um, If the property is inaccessible, you want to find out if their appraiser must gain access into the property. Uh, You also want to find out, you know, what are the leverages? You know, here at WeLend, we finance up to 90% of their acquisition price and 100% of their construction costs. You know you want to find out what 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 leverages you qualify for not every single borrower of ours qualifies for 90 percent. you know it all really depends on their experience if they're inexperienced we can't offer them 90 percent because there's more risk with an inexperienced borrower than there is with an experienced borrower um so you know you want to find out what leverages uh they're offering you know you also want to find out whether you know do your own due diligence as far as whether that makes sense for you. Can you actually afford, you know, 20% down or 25% down? And then, you know, the construction itself. Um, so those are some of the questions that I would ask. You know, you would also want to check out their social media, Be you know highly recommend that because look there's a lot of fly by night you know guys out there that are offering you you know amazing terms they could offer you a six percent rate with a you know upfront deposit of five thousand dollars and all of a sudden they just stopped answering the phone on you so you want to check out their social media you want to make sure that they actually have a true company it's, it's a true lending company you know we here at weland i mean between all of our social media platforms we have i, I think about thirty thousand followers Uh, So you want to make sure that you're dealing with the right company. You know, you want to make sure that the terms fit your expectations and, and your ability to afford the deal
0: yeah i think along that's a really great question so everyone out there you should really put these questions down on paper and look at it and compare side by side like compare every all those details and make sure that these same private lenders are providing you this information and then take a yeah. look at it and it's not only just the rate the terms but making sure you're the right fit for them they're the right fit for you and that you can build a relationship over time to build sustainability the thing hard thing be is if you keep switching different lenders and you doing you're doing all those different kinds of things you're wasting time as well but try to find someone you can partner with and make a good relationship to do this do these projects
1: i i always recommend my investors to have one or two private lenders right maybe mm-hmm. three and the reason why is because you never know look i mean there's some deals that we won't touch for whatever reason because we just feel like it's it's too high risk uh, the property's not in the best locations or or whatever the case may be you always want to have a second one just in case. Um, So always, always, you know, expand your horizons, make sure that you have other outlets just in case if
0: something was to go wrong. Yeah, exactly. And another final question I have for you, too. What do you think about the current and future state of the market right now with the interest rates rising right now?
1: I mean, look, employment is strong, right? I think we're at the the lowest unemployment rate in in decades. Um, Employment is strong housing looks even stronger you know people today are are rushing to buy houses because everyone is sitting on a lot of liquidity um, you know if you if you look at the shortages of housing i mean it's it's huge my only concerns um that i have is you know obviously the rate hikes i mean what kind of what kind of damper are they going to put onto the economy i mean i think today s p 500 had the its its lowest or highest uh, decline since june of 2020 from what i remember um you know also the war with ukraine and russia i mean how involved are we going to get how how bad is that going to get is it going to get any worse i mean hopefully by you know it, it will end soon but who's to say that it will and how how far will it go so you know those are the current concerns that i have but you know from putting that aside i mean housing is strong um, the unemployment rates are at an all time low. You know, yes, there is an issue with, you know, uh, shortages of supply. Uh, but, you know, if, if, if the lockdowns continue, that will probably get even bigger. Uh, but hopefully the lockdowns uh, won't happen again. And hopefully we'll be able to uh, reinstate our uh, supply chain. So I, I'm, you know, I, I would say bullish on the next uh, two years or so uh, on, on the real estate climate.
0: Yeah, and for me, and like in in the San Francisco market, I still I still think that it's really strong. It's really good opportunity out there. It's harder opportunity, and I think the thing to consider is timing. Understanding what you're getting into, and really understanding timing, and having a good solid crew that's not going to delay you, and knowing. Knowing how to run your numbers, knowing how to do the project from start to finish, that's where the expertise matters. Like for me, I know, okay, I need architects up front. I need my permitting fast. I need to order my windows fast. My plants is quick. I know there's delays and other factors, but if I can plan all these delays, but even before I start the project, I know where I'm going to be at, at the end of the project. But if you're not exactly. experienced, you run into these issues. Oh, I ordered windows four months after being in the project. Oh, it's going to take another four months. That's eight months now you should order it from day one Now all contractors <laughs> will tell you that because contractors are busy so know how to GM your own projects really well absolutely
1: you know i would i would add to that by saying look you know your 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 strategy might be to fix and flip right but you also got to analyze the deal from a perspective of a buy and hold right mm-hmm. if in the event you can't flip the property for whatever reason is the property's income going to be sufficient enough to carry and service the debt that you're going to have on it at a later point? So, you know, yeah, definitely make sure that you're ordering the supplies in time, that you're dealing with the right contractors, that you're dealing with the right private lenders, but also look at it from a perspective of, look, we don't know what's going to happen in the next year or two with, you know, with the current economic climate. So be sure that you are ready to hold on to that property and whatever income that it could generate is going to be sufficient enough to cover your future debt.
0: Yeah. So have plan A, plan B, and a plan C, and then hopefully plan A works really well. And you'll see that's where experience comes in and you'll see what happens with your crew, your team, and then how you make it better for next time. Cool. Thank you so much for uh, the great podcast today. How can people reach out to you?
1: Uh, Matthew, I appreciate, you know, all that you've done. I I appreciate the insight. Uh, Great questions. Um, I hope to be on the podcast very soon again, but you know, Anyone can reach out to us uh, by visiting our website, www.welendllc.com. Uh, they can also visit us on any of our social media platforms. Uh, we're even on TikTok, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. You know, uh, There's a number of platforms that we're on, Facebook and so on, and our handle is at LLC. They can also email me directly at ruben at welendllc.com.
0: Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for being on the Truth About Real Estate podcast, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Have a great day.